You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Good morning or good afternoon, depending on where you're living on this glorious Sunday. This is Dr. Jeff Forber, and you are here with me for the next 30 minutes on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, Pet Life Radio's only live call-in radio show. That means it's live. I'm here sitting in my home studio. Last week, as you recall, if you were listening, I was on the slopes in Park City, Utah, and having a great time. The snow was good. wasn't great, but the runs that were open were fantastic. And um, back to reality here in Los Angeles at uh, 9 a.m. And I um, hope you're going to enjoy this Sunday. If you like football, you should have a good day ahead of you. And um, anyway, we're here talking about pets. That's what I do. So if you have any questions about your pets, call in at 877-385-8882. You can log in, join us in on the conversation. Just go to PetLifeRadio.com. You can click on the Ask the Vets tab, and a, a big box will come up, and it's our live call-in radio show, and you can just join in on the conversation. It's that easy. And lastly, you can just send us an email to drjeff, that's Dr. Jeff, at Pet Life Radio, and Mark, our wonderful producer in studio now, will go ahead and forward it to me live on air, and we can get you taken care of. So lots of ways to get a hold of us. If you've been following us, we've been doing a lot of work. I'm trying to make some of these many disease conditions that our pets seem to suffer from, many of which we do too, and try to make some sense out of them, uh, help you sift through um, all the specifics, help you with decisions, what to do, how to treat, and just give you, equip you with a little bit more knowledge so you can have that more intelligent conversation with your veterinarian and to possibly offer some, some alternative treatments or alternative treatment plans so it's not always and doesn't always have to be the way your veterinarian wants to do it. Uh, I, I, I would you know, trust their opinion, but it, the more you know as the expression goes, knowledge is king. I want to make sure I can equip you with a little bit more knowledge. So we have been going through various endocrine systems over the last several weeks, and we talked about diseases like Cushing's disease and Addison's disease and thyroid disorders, the hyperthyroid in the cat, the hypothyroid in the dog, and then we got into the diet. We're starting the diabetes. So last week, we talked about diabetes mellitus in the dog, which is type 1, and the type 1 diabetes, if you recall, is the same diabetes that kids get juvenile onset diabetes, even though in dogs, it doesn't always onset as a juvenile. They they can get it when they're six, seven, eight years old or older, but it's the type of diabetes that is insulin dependent. So these are the dogs that are going to have to get insulin shots every day, usually twice a day, depending on the insulin you elect to try. And depending on the dog's degree of diabetes, uh, there are some other modifications that can be done as well, but it's going to be an insulin dependent problem. Now, I want to move on to cats. And it's very interesting because cats, on the other hand, they get the type of diabetes that older adults get. And usually, and here's a key, I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody, but it's overweight people. And it's the type of diabetes that obese adults often get in this country, more prevalent than it should be because of the obesity. And that diabetes is not 
always an insulin-dependent diabetes. In other words, it can be treated with diet restrictions and modifications. It could be treated with some medications. So our goal with our cats is, first of all, we have to go way back to when our cats were kittens. And a big mistake that we make in this country and probably in many other parts of the world is our tendency to do a few things. Number one, we're all under the impression that, oh, no, cats, they'll eat just as much as they need, and then they're going to stop. So we all free feed our cats, which is not necessarily the case. And if you have a couple of cats like I do, they're pretty big, and they like to eat. And you cannot free feed, like literally free feed, have that automated feeder, you know, that, that the food is dropping out all the time whenever they want it. No, 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 no. The second problem is not just how much our cats are eating. It's what we're feeding them. And for many reasons, convenience being one, cost being another, we go ahead and we buy that dry food and that's all they need. That's fantastic. And we go ahead and just let them eat until they are stuffed and they are getting heavy. And then down the road, we are going to have a type 2 diabetic. So a couple of basics when treating or preventing, because as, as in many cases, If we can prevent a disease, it is so much better than trying to treat it. So we have to go back, and a lot of research has been done in this area, and there are a few things about our cats that we have to appreciate and understand. Number one, cats are obligate carnivores. Say it one more time. Cats are obligate carnivores. They need to eat meat. It could be meat from a fish. It's got to be animal meat, animal protein. Dogs, on the other hand, are omnivores. Even if you're vegan and even if you're vegetarian, suck it up. If you're going to want to have a cat, they need to eat meat. And not only do they do they need to eat the meat, they need to minimize the amount of carbs. Their systems can't handle it. And when we feed our cats these dry foods, which are fine as far as the protein content, cats need higher protein than dogs, but we overload them with the carbs as well. And this is what messes up their pancreas. And this is what can predispose them over time. We're not talking on one meal. This is talking over time to type 2 diabetes. So I often say, you can feed your dog cat food, probably more protein than need for a little puppy, young hog, probably will be fine until their kidneys start getting affected or they get older and the kidneys can't handle all the protein. But you can't have a cat live on dog food. It's not enough. Not enough protein and too many carbs. So So much has gone in to better understanding the problem with our cats and type 2 diabetes that they are now very special diets. A lot of work has been done in this arena. Dr. Elizabeth Hodgkins, who was doing her uh, nutrition at UC Davis when I was there, has put a lot of effort into really understanding. You can go online and look up her articles on feline diets, what and how we should be feeding our cats. But for many of us, we are doing it improperly. So to avoid problems down like this in the future, it would really be a good idea to read up on some of these feline dietary issues that affect our cats. And I mean, just to mention another condition that is often also linked to diet in cats, and that's the FLUTD, the feline lower urinary tract disease. And again, there's a lot that we've learned over the years. And it used to be, oh, that's the one because the ash content. So I'm going to look at my can of food and I'm going to see what the ash content is. And the reality is it's not 
really that way anymore. It's not the ash per se. Now, it's involved in a sense, but it's not the ash content. So don't kid yourselves into thinking, uh, if I feed my cat a food that's low in ash, then I'm going to solve our problems with feline urinary tract disease. So very similarly, we have to be uh, very sensitive to what and how we're feeding our cats. And they like canned foods. What I do, for example, with my fairly large crew of felines sharing the home with my home with me is I will feed them a, an appropriate canned, meaty, mushy food, which, by the way, they love. Those are their two meals during the day. And then, because they do like to, as I say, nosh during the day and they like to graze a little bit, then I will give them some a controlled amount of dry food. And once that's gone, that's gone until the next meal. Because I'm becoming very, very sensitive. As I said, two of my cats are on the rather large side. Well, I have three actually that's pretty large. But one, my Maine Coon Norwegian Forest Cat Cross, he's just huge. He's a big boy. But interestingly, as I mentioned when we were talking about hyperthyroidism, my one cat at 16 that was diagnosed as hyperthyroid had the radioactive iodine treatment. And he's doing really well. He has not put all of his weight back on. He was 22 pounds. Now he's like 18. I'm going to try to keep them around here. I think that's just a, for him, it's a good way. So what are you going to notice in your cat? So you have a cat that is going to be overweight. I can't promise it, but knowing them as I do, knowing this disease, probably going to be overweight. You're going to notice your cat, like a few diseases we talked about in dogs, like Cushing's and diabetes, they're going to be drinking a lot of water. And I mean a lot of water. When you go to clean his or her litter box, you're also going to notice, God, appetites might also be increased, again, because of what they're eating and the, the pancreas being tricked, in a sense, they are, think that they're starving for sugar. The sugar is there, and if you test such a cat, either blood test, too much glucose in the blood, too much glucose in the urine, but the cat's still eating as if, as if he or she's starving because of the diabetes. So it's time for that quick break. And I hope to be a, a quick break. So stay tuned. Stay where you are. Once again, if you have any questions about this, give me a call at 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Or join us in here on Pet Life Radio, and we'll answer your questions. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm home. My hair looks cute. Now what? Bringing home a puppy or new dog is exciting, and he's depending on you to keep him in good health. Dogs need special care to keep them healthy as they grow throughout their entire life. Caring for their health is critical in all stages. With ProSense, it's simple and convenient to give your dog the care it needs with effective and quality products that treat, prevent, and provide essential daily vitamins and minerals. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. There's nothing more delicious and healthy than an old family recipe. And for over 50 years, our family's been creating them especially for your pets. Nutrisource Super Premium Pet Foods. Dog and cat food that's all natural, holistic, and organic. Nutrisource Pet Foods contain our patented Good for Life system for your pet's optimum health and well-being. So order now. Safe quality food made by our family for your furry family members. Go to NutrisourcePetFoods.com. From our family to yours, KLM Family Brands. Your dog loves going for a walk, but what do you do when the weather just won't cooperate? 
Your canine companion shouldn't have to come home cold, wet, and uncomfortable. Zippy Dynamics has created a chic, revolutionary, and functional suit that covers your best friend from head to toe. Our apparel is stylish and remarkably protective against all weather. You and your dog deserve the best, and Zippy Dynamics is here to provide. Visit ZippyDynamics.com now and receive free shipping on all orders for a limited time. Zippy Dynamics, clothing of a different breed. Hi, this is Teodi Anderson, and I'm the host of Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. We're going to talk about a variety of topics on canine behavior and training, all based on modern methods that are fun for you and your dog. We might be talking about other critters, too. So join us on Get Positive Results. We'll talk about common issues between you and your dog, answer your questions, discuss different activities you can do with your dog, and keep you posted on current canine news and products. All this on Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back to Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I am your host, Dr. Jeff Werber, here with you for another, oh, maybe 11 or 12 minutes. Boy, it goes fast, doesn't it? And uh, we want to hear from you, 877-385-8882, or just kind of log into Pet Life Radio, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and join in on the conversation. We're talking about diabetes mellitus type 2, which is the type of diabetes we see in cats, typically overweight cats, mirroring the adult onset diabetes in obese adults that we see with us. And um, very similar. And what's interesting is that, so before the break, we were just talking about you're going to see your cat. Usually it's going to be a heavy cat. though not always, but most often. A cat that starts by drinking a lot of water. And uh, therefore, a lot of urination. You're going to see huge clumps in the litter box if you have indoor cats. They are drinking and peeing and drinking and peeing and drinking and peeing, and and that's kind of what their life becomes. And, of course, eating a lot continually because now, though there's plenty of sugar and glucose from that which they eat, the lack of insulin is not allowing the glucose to get where it belongs inside the cell. So, in a sense, they think they need the nutrition. They need the, the glucose. The body is telling them, we need more, we need more. But unfortunately, there's plenty there. It's just not getting to where it needs to go. So what makes the type 2 diabetic a little differently? It's not always insulin dependent. Just through dietary modification, through some medications that will help reduce the production of the body's own glucose, we might be able to get these cats under control without insulin, though sometimes, especially during crisis, we need to start insulin. Now, what makes a cat more challenging? Well, if you have a dog, and hopefully many of you have both cats and dogs, as do I, with my dogs, especially my Labradors, there's really no challenge in getting them to eat. In fact, with my Black Lab Grover, I often say, you know, most dogs will kind of take a sniff or two of something, and then if it's okay, then they'll eat it. My Frenchies are amazing at that. It's hysterical almost. But my lab is the opposite. He eats first and then says to himself, oh, I wish I should have known what that was because he will eat everything that's not bolted down or doesn't eat him first. So what's so interesting is that he, with dogs, because of that's fairly the typical 
all right, presentation, what we recommend typically doing is giving that first insulin shot in the morning and then waiting about 10 or 15 minutes and then feeding. And then likewise in the afternoon. But with a cat, and cats, as we know, did not get the reputation of being finicky for no reason. You can tell the cat that your cat's doing great. Everything is perfect. You put his food down one morning. He looks at you like, I'm not eating that. So the problem that if we have a cat, a diabetic cat, that we're relying on the food to be digested and absorbed and that glucose absorbed into the cells, but they don't eat, but you've already given the insulin, we run the risk of creating what's called hypoglycemia or a hypoglycemic shock because all the blood sugar that was already circulating from the disease gets sucked into the cells, but we haven't replenished that with a meal and we could be in trouble. And that's why I'm sure if any of you have known diabetics, they know when that, that kind of weird feeling, that weakness comes on and they're told to you know, carry some honey with them or a chocolate bar or, or get a glass of orange juice, something that has fairly high sugar content. If any of you have given blood before and you're sitting there in that chair and they just took a unit of blood, good for you. And so what happens is they give you some orange juice. So it's very important, therefore, to have some sugar in their body. So with cats, what I recommend is we're going to feed the cat first, make sure they eat their meal, and then give them their insulin injection. So if you have, or usually early in the course of the disease, we do need to start some insulin. And of course, you'll talk about the different types with your veterinarian. There are some that are like geared for the cat that cats seem to do very well. There have been insulins that have come and gone off the market. There are insulins now that have gotten so expensive also, which is crazy. I mean, it used to be you could buy insulin for 10, 15 bucks a bottle. And now some of the insulins we have to use are a few hundred dollars. It's, it really has gotten out of hand. But depending on you, your cat's lifestyle, and the success you're having in managing the condition without injection is going to determine whether or not and how much insulin will be needed. Now, as with any diabetic cat or dog or person, early in the game, we start very slow. We have to do a number of what we call glucose checks or glucose curves kind of to see where we're at. And what's also interesting is that Again, what makes cats such more, more of a challenge is that cats tend to stress when they are put in that carrier, taken to the veterinarian. Hopefully, many of your veterinarians have created or have sort of joined on this fear-free concept to make your, the hospitals that you take your pets to very pet-friendly, cat-friendly, dog-friendly, very simple things that could be done to really put your pets at ease. And one, for example, is you should have, uh, when you have a cat, that's going into your veterinarian. You should you know, think about some, we're getting off track here, but just little things. We'll talk about this one day, actually. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a guest doc on with me. Who's gonna, we're going to talk all about this fear-free concept. But the truth is that they get stressed out, and that affects. It all works together. As we mentioned earlier, if you're paying attention, that oftentimes we'll see dogs, for example, that have Cushing's disease and concurrently diabetes. And it makes it so much more difficult to treat because stress plays a huge impact on our insulin delivery and our absorption. So when we have these cats that come in and all stressed out and we're trying to measure them to see what is their blood sugar and their blood sugar is off the charts high again, you're going to scratch your head and say, wait a second, but we're on insulin. We're doing everything right. It's because the stress. So then what happens is you, in error, we go ahead and we increase the dose of 
insulin for fear that we don't have enough. And then we send these poor animals into insulin shock. In other words, we create that hypoglycemia again. So it really is a dance. And it takes time. We have to work very, very, very diligently, but cautiously as we're trying to treat our pets. And cats with type 2 diabetes are very difficult. But the beauty is that many of these cats can either be treated with, as I said, just medication, just dietary modification. And many of them, believe it or not, can reverse. Once we get them to lose their weight, we get their pancreas working again. Because remember, unlike the type 1 diabetic for the cells, the islet cells, the islet of Langerhans cells are actually no longer functioning. With a cat, it's different. There's often inflammation. They are sort of taking a rest because of what we've doing to the body. We have that carb overload. But once we fix all that, we can get this cat back to normal. So it's very important to keep this in mind. But as I mentioned earlier in the show, the best way to deal with your type 2 diabetic cat is to not let him or her get that way in the first place. So speak to your veterinarian about proper diet, exercise. I said there are a number of things because as mentioning, a lot of the urinary tract problems are also linked to feline diets. And, you know, the great part is we are learning so much more about the needs, nutritional needs of our pets and be very cautious. You know, you go to a pet store and you're hit with all of these kind of crazy diets, whether it's the natural and the, the, the organic and the raw. There's no one solution for every cat, every problem. So what I recommend is take it all in, listen to the 17-year-old high school student who's working on commission at the pet store. But before you make any changes, speak to your veterinarian. Go online to some of the websites that are more approved, and that's how we're going to get the proper information. Don't make switches. And my feeling in general is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If things are just smooth and your pet's doing great and the stools are normal and they're visiting the litter box and they're eating well, don't even think about changing the diet. Stay exactly where you are. And um, take them in for their routine physicals. The bloods come back seven you know, after six or seven or eight years old, whenever your veterinarian likes to. And if all is well, leave it alone. Anyway, hope we uh, equipped you with enough good stuff. If you have any questions about any of the things we talked about, any of the endocrine diseases to date, we still have a few more to go, diabetes mellitus, thyroid disorders, Cushing's disease, Addison's, which are adrenal disorders, please contact me at Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff at Pet Life Radio. You can uh, send, um, c- come on to the show anytime, 877-385-8882. And we will be looking forward to having you next week. Have a wonderful Christmas. Hope those of you are having a great Hanukkah as we speak. And we will see you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>